Where are all my friends? I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> did you have that ready? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. When you said, I swear I didn't. When you said it right there, it just felt right. <laughs> right I realize, here, dude. I realize I start it the same every time, and it's not even that I mean to anymore. It's yeah. just the like, it's my way to start talking. Yeah. Right. I like. Oh, it's, it's like your intro. It's yeah, yeah. It's become my intro. It's a good. It's a good calling card. I like it. And then whenever I record the beginning of the intro, it's always. Welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. Gotcha. I, I don't even think about it. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But Second nature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about podcast intros for Talk It Off. Yeah, yeah. we might switch it up. I mean, I, I haven't brought this to the guys yet. It's totally up to them, too. That's <laughs> hey, one Cody, thing about us. We listened to episode two, <laughs> and we found out that you're changing the intro <laughs> You want to fill us in, maybe? No, it's just like I've been listening to this other podcast, and a few of my favorite ones just open like mid-conversation. Yeah. And it's a very natural feeling, and I like that. I'll, I'll have to bring it up to them, obviously. We all have to agree on it. That's how we've always been. We've always been equal votes, everything. I don't yeah. know if people think that it's like a, oh, it's it's got to be Co Cody makes the decisions. Well, I think a long time ago people used to think that or they would make jokes about that, but it's never been that way. Dude, no. It's, <laughs> and I also feel like that's something that like w Max and I had always talked about this is like the band found such good roles of mm. letting whoever own whatever, right? Yeah. Like, like I think that's something that I've always admired about Set It Off thank is you. like, you are so good at like, cool, I'm going to write the music. I'm going to score this. I'm going to set this up. Mm -hmm. I can, I can handle this. And then Max will be like, I have this visual idea. So I'm going to do this, this, and this. And like, everybody kind of has their pocket. Dude, a, a big part of the evolution of set it off was actually me letting go of visual stuff because I saw how good Max was in comparison to me. Yeah. Like I, like I was really hands-on video wise for like ancient history and um, forever stuck in our youth. And what I've noticed was like, I was really literal. Like ancient history was about not sleeping with your ex and it was a video about sleeping with your ex. <laughs> and then like Forever Stuck on Our Youth was about like drinking and having a good time and living like you're, like you're, you know, like you're always young. And that's literally what the video is. It's just us being like waking up from like being hungover and continuing the party. Cause like, that's what that feeling was then. But it was literal, you know? And cause that's how I, I viewed pop music. Yeah. And I, cause I was like, oh, this is how I've always seen videos. I want to do this. And then, I think it was midnight where Max was really like just fucking laying down a hammer on with some amazing shit. Yeah. We were figuring out what how we were gonna like evolve from upside down, and he like gave us basically like basically it wasn't really a PowerPoint, but it was like we sat down and he like showed us everything, and I was like, this is awesome. I didn't know he did that. Oh yeah, like like talking about changing the the diamond into this. Um, but I wish I remembered if he already had the new logo. No, I think we found the logo later, but we were talking about. Just uh, adjusting and turn like transforming the diamond into the new logo and and but his main thing that he had there was we're gonna take the the brightness of upside down it's like someone had a dial and just dimmed it down oh. and that's kind of what mit what or the 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 era and style and color scheme of midnight was just dimming everything down to darkness you know what's crazy too that like I think every artist during an album cycle deals with but I've because I'm so close with y'all like I've seen it so many times mm -hmm. like what a what a to-do, what an undertaking to think of like how to still stay authentic to yourself, yeah. but then to change an album cycle and to evolve. Yep. And like here we are now at Elsewhere and it's like another one of them. And it's it's even, I feel like everybody I've met in the music industry is like, there's a part of them that's a people pleaser. Yeah. And that is, that makes it even harder. Yeah. Because like when you started, you just, you want to be really successful and you just want to, you're writing everything that you want to write and you're being the version of you you want to be and then people start people's opinions start becoming more and more rampant and and um and vivid and just apparent and you have to filter out the ones that you want to apply to you 
And then also you can't let them seep in and change who you are and what your what made you start doing this in the first place. Damn. And that's something I wrestle with on a constant basis is like every time we're, we're, I'm writing a song and I'm like, oh, oh, they'll love this. And I'm like, but, but do I love this? Whoa. Yeah, I'm like, like, I need to make sure first and foremost that I love this song. Yeah. And then hopefully they like it too. Because I want to start treating, not start treating, I want to treat everything in my life how I've been treating my social life lately, which is I when I moved out to LA, I used to be so nervous about what people thought about me. And like when I would go out to like a public event, I'd be like, oh, I, I shouldn't have made that joke. I probably looked like an idiot. They, no one laughed. And now I don't give a fuck. Like I make the dumb jokes I want to make. And the people that laugh, I'm like, you're cool. I'll hang out with you. And the people that don't laugh and give me the side, I'm like never talking to you again. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that. Um, but I, I feel like musicians and any artist, anybody in any venture should treat their art that way. You love it first. You do what you think you should do to make it the coolest to you. As long as you fuck with it, everybody else should. And I really believe that. We're five minutes in and you're dropping bars. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. No, that, I, I love that though. And I, I remember I listened back a little bit to our other podcast, to just kind of like freshen up and remember where we started and where we left off. And I was thinking about, uh, like we were talking about that, like our shamelessness. Yeah. How so early on we were like so shameless and good mm -hmm. at not giving a fuck. And I definitely had like an ebb in my life of like regressing. Yeah. Like we were so young, just fucking out touring, doing anything, yeah. didn't give a shit. And like the best way, just like supporting each other and making yeah. stupid jokes and all that. And then I think it was like moving to LA. Like we were just like little small town Florida yeah. kids oh my and God. nothing mattered. Like there thinking? was, <laughs> right? And then now like, I don't know. It's just, it's easy to like say you don't care. And then you come out here and like everyone's so fucking cool. Dude, it, it, it legitimately felt like I went back to high school. Right? Like when I moved out here, I felt like I went back to high school. And it, what's weird is when you're in high school, you see there's people that are influenced by the cool kids and they will leave you behind to act more like them and to get into that clique. Yeah. And those are the people that LA take down, by the way. Yeah. The people that are the, they'll say yes to everything just to fit in and go to the group and go to the after party and do all the things they shouldn't be doing just because they think that makes them fit in more. Dude. That ends up taking them down out here. And the people that I feel like keep their head down and work are like, so like, like, Shay has been really fortunate to be around these like people that I look up to and respect like immensely. Like she was, she worked on the Borat film, so she was around Sasha Baron Cohen. What? Yeah, dude, it was it was insane. So like she's recently, I'm not trying to be name drop or anything, but like what she, we've been talking after she would come back from work, and all the people that are successful in her industry aren't going out till seven in the morning. They're they're working on what they love, yeah. and they're not worried about the clicks at the rim because the people that they want to surround themselves with, they get surrounded with by working hard and eventually being in the same room as those people. Yeah. But and, it's such like a weird trap. Like, yeah, it's it so is. easy to be like, but all the cool social You know what stuff. it is? Because everybody throws around the word networking and then we <laughs> immediately go, oh, I got a network. And then you, yeah. then it's not hanging out, it's networking. And right. then you can see through that bullshit when someone's like, so what do you do? I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, real. Yeah. Okay. But to go back a little bit, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what I wanted to do, like I was going to say for anybody who doesn't know who you are, but I would imagine that if, if you're this far into it, you find <laughs> there's this is the part two yeah, of long-standing friendship and the whole beginning of my <laughs> career in music and Cody inside yeah, it off. Yeah. That's probably known. But I thought it would be fun. Like we got so into it with yeah. our friendship yeah, in the yeah. first one. Mm -hmm. And it really was kind of just like the origin story of our friendship and a little bit of like, it was the story of how Set It Off got started. Yeah. It was you before Set It Off, like learning your instruments and mm -hmm. like how your bands came together and like the moment you quit college and like those things. Yeah. But we got so into such a good conversation there that we didn't really talk about like what happened after the first 
store. Like there wasn't even oh an God. album out, right? So I felt like it didn't do you the justice of talking <laughs> about like how much has happened. I mean, fuck, t- set it off as over 10 years old. Oh, now. oh yeah. July 25th, 2008 was our first show ever. And I can't do math very good. 18, 19, 20, 22. Is that 14 years? That's a lot of years. So, this July, it'll be 14 years. <laughs> Talk about persistence. <laughs> Dude. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So many doors that have been slammed in our face telling us no. And we're like, no, we're going to, there's, there's a back door. There's a window somewhere. We're going to get in. <laughs> yes. Yes. And like, it's always us. Like we're always ripping jokes and telling yeah, yeah, stories. Yeah. And I want this to be like the fun light Dude, podcast. Can I, can I tell you a funny joke? Like, I, I haven't shared this with anybody yet. And I thought it'd be funny to bring up on a podcast. Oh my God. So like we we did this pop-up event, right? And mm-hmm. what people don't know is what goes into the, the setup. So I had to like rent a U-Haul and I had to go get like our props and stuff. So I went to our storage unit. I loaded the, 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 the vehicle came back and then eventually I had to unload everything. And me and Jim Snyder, who was like, who yeah, slings totally the shirts, shout Jim. out Jim. We made this joke because a lot of our like mannequins and our props were in a, a falling apart cardboard box kind of like that was held together with duct tape. And I'm looking at Jim like, so hell set it off doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think people think the life is so lavish. <laughs> like everything's in a road case. I'm, I'm literally holding one of our props that we bring on tour in a broken cardboard box covered with tape that's barely holding on. <laughs> and you're the one driving and the I'm the one driving like... the U-Haul. <laughs> Oh, it's just funny. But like that is so like I guess this kind of can tie into like tour one is like this is how we've always been. So I was under the impression after the all time low thing, which I it's so funny. I was like talking to all the bands that were there that were yeah. on that tour and I was like Oh no wait, like the House of Blues yeah, so that like, night. Yeah, flashback Cleveland House of I? Blues. So Forever the Sickest Kids who were like they were like really oh, that I think they were going off of all Alpha Dog alma mater. Yeah, they had the a moment. Yeah, it was it was kicking. Yeah. Um, by the <laughs> way, shout out Caleb because he was the most kind person. He was he treated me like like I was on the tour. He was really fucking nice. And then I saw him like months later, and we like had a couple drinks. He was just he's a dope guy. Uh, he's really welcoming. So I remember talking to different people that were on the tour, and I was like, I'm gonna start a band, and um, I would love if if I could go on tour with you. And of course, if you're in that position, you don't you don't go no. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're not like yep. <laughs> but that's they great. politely were like, absolutely, man. Yeah. So of course, I took that literally. Yep. And I go, I'm gonna start a band, and we're gonna get tours with these people. Done. And it of course did not come ha- did not happen that way as it shouldn't have. I, Deal know? memo sent. Yeah. As you, soon as you said it, there you go. <laughs> Well, it's like, well, we did tell them. So <laughs> it's, a, it's binding. It's binding. But so when we started, we realized, okay, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I might have messaged on MySpace or something or just reach out and see if it was going to happen. And we realized it wasn't going to. But we wanted to get on the road. We knew if we wanted to do this, we had to get out there in front of people. And I remember something. So there's this band that were, were my hometown heroes, Select Start. Yeah. They were on our first show. Uh-huh. And it was our first show ever, and I believe we opened, which would make sense. And then it was like Vague Under Fire, who I also really love, that was from out there. And Select Start was the headliners. And um, we played our set, and people were in the front row singing along to our songs. And I didn't think much of it at the time because I had a YouTube channel, and I knew that there was people that were from Florida that liked to set it off. Uh-huh. But he said something that resonated with me, and he goes, because that was your first show? And I was like, yeah. I was like, how are they singing the words? And yeah. I was like, Whoa. I was like, oh, this is, okay, this is cool. This yeah. is something special. Like, we haven't had an opportunity to tour around and people get to know the songs. This is show one, and they've just heard the songs on YouTube. And I was like, people are noticing. That's cool. Yeah. And so then we're like, okay, well, if that's the case, and we can even get, like, 15 kids at a that's show. A win. That'll And like, that'll be something. So we started by going on a website called IndieOnTheMove.net. I think it's still around. 
If it's not .ed, it's .org.gov. I don't know what it is. But .gov. Yeah. <laughs> the government's yeah, like, the government's get them like, on the road. Get them out there. More broken <laughs> dreams. Learn. <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> no, for real though. Like it was, it was a, an amazing tool. And if you're starting out like as a, a, a touring and you don't have a leg to stand on as far as getting support tours, it's a great way to just get yourself on the road. Started small, I believe, with like East Coast runs, Southeast. Yeah. And we would just – so it's like a map of the United States. You click a state, click a county, and it shows you venues and emails to promoters. And you just email every promoter in the area with a with – a, like a, you have like a – what's the word? A template. Yeah. Uh, like pitch and you fill in your own blanks per like, we're coming to St. Louis, Missouri on, <laughs> <laughs> on March 4th. And <laughs> – and uh, we and you then, bold that? Oh yeah, yeah that, right. You're speaking like that is bolding. <laughs> no, that's, that's my uh, my uh, my du- my dubbing, I guess. But uh, so we would put in the information uh, pertinent to that, and then we would um, just hope somebody hit us back with a yes. And then sometimes you would string together a tour, and there'd be like a long break because nobody hit you back in that city. Yep. And um, and it was it was grueling, but it was fun. Yeah. I remember yeah, we didn't I, yeah. care at all if there was like five kids. I don't remember honestly. I wish I could remember. What was a show that was like mind blowing to us back then? Well, so from what I remember, and again, if there is a weird scenario where there's a listener here and they didn't listen to the first one and they didn't uh, put together, so like that yeah. was the beginning of my start, and I met y'all, and I came on as selling merch and yeah, then yeah. tour manager, and in those early days, to me, I remember being like, "That's so crazy! Everywhere we go, people care," and I figured that it was the YouTube covers, like I yeah. figured it was something like that. Uh, Loki came. I was, hey, there he is. Um, What's up, buddy? We were very but persistent on YouTube. I didn't then. know that with the indie on the move. Somehow, I didn't know that that's how you did that initial. That's bit. how we got the shows. Well, because also in the email, you had to like brag. Yeah, to, like talk yourself up. Like we have this many views on this, which back then was like nothing. Dude. But it was something to them. Yeah, and, and some and our like, guarantees right. were like nothing. It was oh, maybe a hundred dollars was a good guarantee. I remember. I saw. I so a shout out to our friend Wood, who was in a band, one of our earlier bands we toured with at Cliff's End. There was, I think it was called the JC Arena. Which oh, for, yeah. stood for the Jesus Christ Arena. It was the venue we played in the middle of nowhere. And I remember specifically, we brought like between all of our bands, like maybe 30, 50 kids. It was not a lot. But we've to us, that was a pretty decent night. Dude, that <laughs> night was so lit. And I feel like they got us an abundance of pizza. Wasn't there like a putt-putt golf course yeah, in the middle of it? Everything was made of shitty plywood. <laughs> and it was like a theme park made of shitty plywood. Yeah. There was like a putt-putt. There was like a plywood bowling alley. Yeah. There was like everything. It's like a guy with the Home Depot goes, I'm going to do something. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a paradise. I can't believe you brought up JC Arena. Well, the I reason what I remember the most is the end of the night after yeah. the show. We had to like elect somebody from the tour to go be the uh, the guy and, and go like, where's our money? Because he was going to try not to pay us, which happened all the time. Yeah. If they're if they're like, well, I'm not going to pay you. You didn't bring enough kids. Yeah. Like, well, there's a guarantee in the email. Well, there was no contract. We yeah. just said guarantee. Yeah. And so we didn't know what we were doing. But I remember like there was a real thing. I remember we had a, uh, played a show at Santos Party House in New York City. Yeah. And this was when we were like bringing more kids out. I don't yeah. think that was a great show for us because I think it was 18 and up or 21 and up or some shit. Yeah. But promoter dipped out before our, our set finished, so he didn't have to pass. Never saw that money. So many shows where we made nothing because the promoter was just like, no. Dude. Yeah. And that's like that. Not that that's the theme of early set it off, but like by no means was it easy. Oh, God, no. Like, oh, my God, the amount. But yeah. OK, so that was like early days of touring. Yeah. I remember... How do I I even begin the question of the evolution? I think uh, the EP, Calm Before the Storm. Yeah, that was was the first real one. (laughs) I think that that was like, what was that, 2009? I think 2009. I remember um, 
so the there was two producers that I, that I wanted. Um, one was Lee Dice, yeah. who did the first. Uh, I think it's called Tales Told by Dead Friends uh, by Mayday Parade. Yeah. So I I remember finding out about Mayday Parade through like an old girlfriend, um, and she was from Georgia, I think Valdosta, which is I think where some of them were from. I think so. Um, well, anyways, they um, she showed me that back when they were weren't called Mayday Parade, and I was like fell in love. I was like, this is incredible. Who produced mm-hmm. this? I found out it was him. And um, I sent him some initial demos, and he was very honest because these aren't very good. <laughs> and and I, I I don't know why. Eventually, he was like he came up with a deal that would have worked out, but for some reason, I don't know why we didn't end up going with him because he's fantastic. But um, we found out about Paul Levitt, who did Put Up or Shut Up. Who was, no spoiler, I was a huge all time low fan. Yeah, and I was like, well, if he can make that sound like this, then he can make us sound awesome. So I didn't know anything about what the role of a producer is or anything like that because I assumed like well, actually I don't think I had an assumption in the world. I, so I, I'm trying to remember. I know I had demos before we got there, and we went and uh, the production we did with him was we showed him all the songs we were going to do an EP, and originally I remember I promised wasn't going to make the cut. Like nobody oh. wanted, I promise, and I fought for I promise. I that was the fir- yeah yeah. I remember fighting very hard for that song and in order for it to make it work because it was like a five and a half minute song or something like that. We had to uh-huh. cut some cut some stuff, and he helped Paul helped me change some chords. It was dude, it was nuts. I'm I'm kind of skipping over a lot of details. We like I mean we kind of have to to like yeah, do the whole story. So you're you're good. I'm, uh, I'm we I'm pacing. We, we like went to Baltimore. I think we had our parents help us fund the album. If I remember correctly, like we couldn't pay for it on our own and we couldn't get a loan because we had no capital. I remember there was like one hometown show where we sold a bunch of merch. And yeah. It was like, it, we were like very open about it. We we're like, we need this show to pop off. Yeah. We're gonna, <laughs> Help. Y'all drove, y'all drove. I knew you. Then, that was our GoFundMe. Go yeah, dude, yeah. straight up. It yeah. was like a, it was like a fundraiser. And I, it was like a hometown show that was pretty lit. Sold a bunch of merch, took that. Mm-hmm. And then like whatever else was there. I think parents filled in the gap after that. Yeah. Um. But so, yeah, so we're there. We're staying in Baltimore um and we're working with paul and he it was really cool man he was like helping us um adjust the songs and that was me i was when the band first started i was extremely stubborn so it was kind of hard for me but hearing it coming from this guy that i know made these great records i'm like okay slow your roll shut up and listen to this guy yeah and he was and he was right every single time and it was just great because i was like playing guitar back then so i was like tracking on like this cool gibson les paul i remember and it was just a fun experience i remember as i'm hearing it through the speakers because the what our last thing was me recording an acoustic guitar into my iMac, yeah. which was absolutely terrible. So hearing the guitars come in through this, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like it was like a okay, this is gonna put us on the map. This is at least gonna make people notice. Yeah. Because now I know we have decent songs. It just needs to be recorded well. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress that enough to anybody that's starting out. It's like, don't do what I did and produce it yourself unless you're really good at producing yourself but because now now it's easier but i was gonna say like that's interesting because there's so many kids now that can like self-produce on laptops yeah and, like that's like i embrace the hell I, out of that I, I i encourage it if you're good at it like if you can mm-hmm. if you can finish your product and then put it next to your favorite artist like ab it and then yeah. go this is as good as this then do that yeah but if you can afford if you're if you're not if you're a being and you're like this sounds significantly worse <laughs> be then, self-aware yeah, enough be, to find be self-aware and, and i think you got to be your own worst enemy like I actively try to listen to our own songs and hate them. What I mean by that is like critique it extremely like harshly. Yeah. I'm like, well, if I was somebody else, what could I find wrong with this? And then do that and then fix it. And then hopefully at the, at the end, you've ironed everything out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Back so that to was the, the uh, first time that you like really had that moment of like, oh, there's somebody that can do this like better. Yeah, like, yeah, this, yeah. This is a level up. This is why you do this. And then I come to find out that that wasn't like even 
like so like he's he's more engineer leaning than he is producer leaning because some producers are way more hands-on and will help you with like the writing process which which kind of evolved as time went on with us yeah yeah dude okay so then that's happening oh dude the next time though what I'm I'm, I'm i'm remembering what the next recording and release process was wasn't that horrible kids it was before Horrible Kids. Is when we wanted to find out who At we were. reply. Dude, like, this guy screwed us over so hard. So this is what we were at. So I had a really, like, a big wake-up call. So we did this sound, and it was, I'm really proud of Calm Before the Storm, but it was very close to All Time Low. It was very close to Fall Out Boy. Yeah. And everybody that was coming up was trying to do the same sound because they were doing it great. And yeah. I just didn't know how to write anything else at the time. Uh-huh. So I met with this amazing producer who actually Alex Gaskarth recommended I talk to because he gave me, Alex was great, by the way. He saw us perform at Warp Tour and he like uh, he invited us on the bus and like gave me real critiques and uh, advice and people that I should work with. So like they, anytime that they could, like they were homies, you know? And yeah. so I, I can't thank them enough for all the kind things they've, they've done for us along the way. And he's, he was like, you should talk to this producer, Jordan Schmidt, who I did. He gave me, brutally honest advice and he goes right now you're a number in a fishbowl and i was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> like people that were like too real with yeah you. Oh, I, lo- I loved it i didn't have to guess i, I hate yeah. when people are like tiptoeing around shit yeah that's yeah um but he was like right now you're a number in a fishbowl there's so many bands that sound like you and you're hoping a label goes oh this one okay well i guess we'll sign you and see how it goes maybe you'll work yeah and um he's like you need to find a way to separate yourself so it's like all right so we had multiple conversations um, amongst ourselves, like, like, well, I have a classical background. Why haven't I done anything within this band? Um, and then like, well, my chem's no longer a group right now. Maybe there's a void that we can try to fill and, and try to bring some darker sounds in, and some orchestral sounds. Yeah. And so, but we didn't want to go all into one thing. So we're like, well, why don't we do like a sample EP and we'll do one really poppy song, one that kind of splits the difference, one that's really aggressive. And we had four songs. It was Breathe and Breathe Out, At Reply, Together Forever, which I just don't like that song. I thought it was a good song. <laughs> Everybody likes it but me. I just don't like the lyrics. I think they're too on the nose. So there was one guy we wrote with who was great. He was yeah. a really nice guy, but the person he aligned us with as a producer was... So... We recorded four songs with him, right? Yeah, yeah. We spent a lot of time. We were in Buffalo, New York recording them. Yeah. And then we were back home and we're waiting to get the first mixes. And I get the mixes back and I'm like, this is awesome awful sounding so i did as i do and i went in with each song and i i wrote multiple mixing critiques on like there must have been 40 critiques per song and i never am that like i usually don't have to do that many and i sent it back and it goes okay well that's going to be like so and so uh so much an hour I'm like no that's not how that goes because yeah. with paul levitt there was mixing critiques and it's just yeah that's part of the job uh-huh. you do it you go back and forth until we all agree that it's great because mm-hmm. this person got paid Mm. already you know and then and then we agree and then we get the delivers and we were like we're not paying that we don't have that money man we paid you already yeah he goes well i'm not doing revisions then and we're like well then fine give us the stems and we'll go get somebody else to mix it he goes i'll need two thousand dollars or there was like some number i think it was 2k to us like a devastating to us everything it's like everything we have yeah and we're and so i remember getting on uh the phone with our manager at the time and him and he just wasn't budging. So we had to like come up with the money and pay this asshole to get our, our stems back. And But you know who came in to save the day? Bum, ba, da, bum, Zach and Ken, who did Lesson in Romantics and was doing Go Radio, who we were massive fans of already. And they said, we will mix these for you at a discounted rate. We just want to do your next record. And we're like, yeah, what? like absolutely. We already want to work with that. you. Yeah. So they came in and they saved us and then gave us a deal and then 
that's who we wanted to work with. And they're the producers that did cinematics. So that was the next project. So this is probably on me because I get excited too. And yeah. I like, I remember these people, but I also like my idea with this is like, I want to like I, the milestones. Like, yeah. Let's the milestones of moments of set it off going from those first albums and those first, sh first shows mm -hmm. to like, wow, you're like really selling shit out and like really like a proper band. I think one thing that I didn't expect to seem like a milestone was vehicle changes. Dude. Like when we went from a 15 passenger to a sprinter, like just, that was still us, but like we had bunks. Yeah. And we were able to like, like we had a higher quality of living. And that was, that was, that's something that you can't take for granted because you just got done sleeping in Walmart parking lots Dude. where it was like 20 degrees outside, probably colder. So I remember that we slept in a Walmart parking lot so cold that the bottle of water froze. <laughs> That was chilling. How on the do you side. remember? I don't remember I, that. I, I remember that because my feet were pointing towards the door, and the, in the it was in the trash chute, which was what we called <laughs> where the door and the step met. It was the one step. <laughs> so we had to like every time the door opened, trash fell out, and that's when we picked it up. We threw it away. But there was a water bottle half full there, and it froze solid. But you go through all that, and you go through all these like treacherous, like we're just asking anybody if we can stay at their house, and 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 then you're like, oh, now we can't afford to sleep in a in a vehicle that has diesel fuel so we can keep it on yeah and we have like a like a, a, a mini fridge i have one moment this isn't a milestone but it was the holiday season this was actually the black mass tour okay. which was i remember um andy Beersack saw us when we were playing at warp tour yeah um and he he took notice of us and he appreciated us and and vouched for us and that's why we were on the black mass tour with them when i felt respected and, and valued and that yeah. i can't express that's a milestone for me because yeah, all wow. i really want is to like in in this career is to live comfortably like pay my bills support a family and have respect from other people and i sometimes i feel like it's weird i feel like people think we're extremely successful but i still feel like i i don't have the respect that i wish that i get you know what i mean so whenever things like that happen i feel like people are like i believe in you I, I want to I wanna take you on tour. That means a lot. I want to do that with other people as well. That's why I try to do it for like No Love for the Middle Child and Dwayne and, and Chapel and like all those other artists we've we've worked with. I just, because I, so again, when he did that for me, it was a huge thing. And I remember um, just being so, feeling so blessed to be on this tour and playing to these audiences. That was like a, whoa, we're playing these massive theaters every day. Yeah. And, and with the first on, we were dealing with a crazy backline, I remember. And to those who don't know what a backline is, it's like, so there was like, it was, um, Black Veil Brides was the headliner. Then it was Falling in Reverse. Black Veil Brides had a wall of Marshall cabs, mm -hmm. um, and then which was a drum riser that Cece played on. And then um, in front of that, which also stayed on stage, were like massive was another massive drum riser and two basketball hoops that was Falling in Reverse. And then in front of that was like this DJ thing that was set up. And then we played in front of that. So <laughs> you're like walking a plank. We had like to, you're we, just like we had to set up. Uh, horizontally, like drum, like drums were on the side of the stage, and then I had maybe two inches to move around. Um, so it was there will never deal, knock on wood, with a worse backline situation than that. But we didn't care. Yeah. We're playing in front of people, and we're gonna no matter how much space we have, we're gonna put on the best damn show we can, and yeah. we're gonna take home as many fans as we can. And we still to this day get people that were like, "I saw you on the Black Mass tour." Wow. And that's what means everything to me because then after that, which I'm going to be doing if I'm allowed to on this, because I know with the with the COVIDity of it all, is uh, we're about to do a support tour with Simple Plan and Sum Forty One, which is another mind blowing thing. Fast forward. Yeah. And um, I want to go to the merch table and I want 
want to talk to people again. Yeah. So um, that's what we would do at Black Mass. And that's how we would maintain our relationships with the people that cared about us. Um, Dude, that was yeah. always something that stood out is like, we always took the time. Like, yeah. We always like that was if you supported Set It Off, like you because it truly means the we world. appreciated it. Yeah, because we we came from nothing and yeah. we worked our way from nothing. And then we would see this this little family slowly grow and grow and grow. And that I, I feel like we have personal relationships with everybody. It's it's so it's so crazy to see because we we wanted to show how much we how how much that meant to us. Yeah, like we would go out. I, mean, I can't do it as much anymore since the vocal injury. But like we would go out after a show and play an extra couple acoustic songs just for Dude. the people. Or if people got screwed over at a show, we would try to make it up to them somehow. We always try to look out for everybody. Dude, I I yeah. do remember that. It was just like part of it. It was as if like you didn't even think that that was an option. Like for us, it was like, oh, well, where's Cody? Oh, he's doing the acoustic set outside of the van. Yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> that's just what you do, right? Isn't that how yeah. that works? Well, you know what was annoying is we would have people telling us that that's a stupid thing to do because you needed to seem untouchable. Yes, and I remember that. I, I thought that was dumb. Yeah. like And like maybe we're not as present as we used to be, but that's not for that reason. Yeah. It's like now we're like, we work so hard on the set and and like and ha like vocally I have to protect myself for the next day. Yeah. That like we literally have to stay in sometimes. I was telling you that like I like hosted like a live panel thing oh, yeah. like right before we started recording I was like, dude, I am so sorry for any time on tour that I didn't understand <laughs> vocal rest cuz like you you then go out or you you strain your voice and yeah. it sounds like something so simple where it's like anybody can talk anybody Talking can at a loud bar. But it'll yes. kill you. Talking yep. in a loud bar. Mm -hmm. And then the next day you like go to do the one job you have of like sing or yep. talk and you're like, oh, what? Dude, the amount uh -huh. of guilt that I have had to deal with on tour. There's been shows where I didn't protect myself that well the night before because I wanted to go out and hang out with everybody and yeah. go to a bar. And because I hate feeling excluded, you know, and I wanted to hang yeah. out and have fun. I'm like, you know, me, I like games and camaraderie and friendship. Yeah, that's the best part. It's, the, it's so much fun. And so I, when I would go out, then the next day it would be time to sing and I, I would not be able to hit certain notes and I would sound rough. And then I'm like, I, I made us look bad. I, I that I was always that. something that like, I respect you for it, but I always wished that I could be like, dude, you're killing it. Like <laughs> you would always be so hard on yourself in yeah, the way of still like, for the sake of the art of it. You'd be like, it wasn't perfect. And I've taken that with me, right? Like yeah. I love that strive for perfection, but it's funny to see it from the other side. Cause I'm like, I remember some of those times. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you were good. Like, Thank you. maybe you weren't 100, you were 99. Like, you were good. <laughs> and like, I, I would appreciate like when people would say that because they, they would help me get out. Because uh, I would be really like inside my head beating myself down. Like, and so whenever people would be like, everything was fine, it would take me out of it a little bit. But I, I, there's a part of me that likes the hyper criticism of it all yeah. internally because I feel like if I the moment I get complacent is the moment I'll start declining heavily Damn. and I'm always like I'm not like that just with singing I'm like that with performing I'm like that with writing Damn. like if the next album's not if I don't think the next album is better than the last album then I am failing and maybe it's time to start thinking about another career holy fuck yeah, like, Jesus it's like that it's like that for me and like Good I need to God. be continually progressing so then like do you feel an insane amount of pressure when you're writing these albums Dude, like the amount of pressure is insane and it's not and it's not just coming from my own pressure it's like external pressure like I don't know if you do this but sometimes will you disadvantage yourself to help other people sometimes yes like so we did i had a vocal injury for a whole tour i don't know if i talked about this in the last time we did this i know but i don't think in depth i like a lot of people don't understand how hard you have to work for money in this industry 
mm. and how hard you have to work for money for other people on this in this industry. And yeah. so, so many people like, are so want to jump to conclusions and be hypercritical about all these things from the outside looking in. They have no fucking idea what's going on. So yeah. like I, I had a vocal injury. We knew about it, and I, we had a tour planned, and I still did the tour. Yeah, because and I just I just changed the set around so I could still do it. But that it wasn't just because I was like, oh yeah, I'm like true rock and roll. I'm gonna make right. it happen. It was because if I didn't do this tour, we would lose out on so much money. And these people who slotted out months to to be on the road with us are now out two months work yeah. because of me. Dude. And I know that technically I should have just been like, it's a vocal injury. You're gonna have to understand. But like, they weren't the only ones that needed money. You know, Dude. that's just how it is. I gotta and keep touring. Yeah, it's like it's it's money, but it's also it's like you feel this guilt to like the fans and everybody. It's like so when you think about a tour, there are so many people involved to make that happen. Yeah, so many people that are impacted by that, and they're people you love and care about. Yeah, it takes a while to get that crew together to where that you feel like are part of the brotherhood. Oh my god! And then once you care about them that much too, it like holds that much more weight. So I have pressure oh on my, my shoulders god, coming dude. from every direction. It's crazy. Like the like the more I talk to you, and the more like especially in podcast format as we talk about it, like. I maybe didn't ever realize just how much you processed it all. Like, mm. I think you've done a pretty good job of like, <laughs> I don't see that side of you, Thank right? You. Like, it's always just like, oh, well, he has got it. That comes from high school. Uh, our, our, uh, I credit Kevin Ford and Robert Barfield from Tarpon Springs High School so much for how I try to handle anything involving like a leadership role because they we took like leadership classes and. And I would, I remember there's like, I had a bad day and I was wearing it on my face and, but now, but I was supposed to be like the clarinet section leader. And he goes, what do you think they think of you when you do this? And I was like, fuck, Whoa. dude. And he goes, was like, you, you look like, like, like if you look like you're having a bad time and you look weak, then they're going to think that it's okay for them to, to do that as well. And you need to set the example when you're at your worst, act your best. And I was like, whew. But he would drop knowledge like that constantly. Like the, there are no sh sh shortcuts to success thing originated from Tarpon. My dad knew how much it meant to me and used it with me. So wow. that's what, like, there's so many quotes and like lessons that were taught to us back then that I've carried with me. And Holy how, like how hard you have to work, how rehearsals have to be run. Like you, you have to, like uh, there is, there is, he told this story. It's a brutal story, but I, I kind of love it. I, I, I'm going to be paraphrasing because I was told very long ago, but there was essentially this guy that, um, he was like already a successful horn player and he came into a college to give like a master class and teach these people how to play. Yeah. And he goes, I'm, I'm going to tell you everything I know because I'm not afraid of you. You're not going to outwork me. You're not going to outplay me. I will give you my entire recipe and you'll never cook it like I will. Jesus like Christ. essentially like that. But like, that's how he was. Because this is something he said to me as well as when I was about to leave college and start perform, uh, working on clarinet. So my, the best of all time to me is Eddie Daniels. He's my mm. favorite. And he goes, how are you feeling? Are you feeling prepared? I was like, yeah, you know, I, I think that I can stand close to like my peers at my college. I think that um, I'll be able to hopefully stand out there when I'm playing. He goes, you think that's your competition now? He goes, as soon as you get that diploma and you walk through those doors, they are not your competition. Eddie Daniels is your competition. Oh my God, you had such intense. Dude, like, I feel like there's like these like movie dude, straight moments. Straight up, man. It was like, that's why everyone's like, you got to watch Whiplash. <laughs> But like, dude, he was like, he's like, Eddie Daniels is your competition and you need, he's going to be taking your jobs from you. He's going to, he's going to be like, he's like, that's how it is. And until you feel like you're at his level or above, hang, not hanging up, but like, he was like, you basically like go get to work and work, work your tail off. There, yeah, there was just so many lessons that I, that I learned through him that have been applied, you know, like you have to work as hard as you possibly can. Um, and you have to stay strong for everybody else around you. 
And it, I think that's why it doesn't bother me as much because I started doing it when I was in high school. Yeah. I started, that mentality started then. And so when it came to the band, I was like, this is, this is nothing. I'm doing what I love. Yeah. And it, like, oh no, I have to play more shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I yeah, get yeah. to do this. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's kind of how that's my perspective has been. Easy, dude. It's like, I mean, dude, we've known each other for yeah what, <laughs> 15 plus years yeah and like literally it's now and i'm like it's hitting me in a whole different way i've seen you work hard endlessly for years on end and i've seen <laughs> us tour together and all of these things but like on the bigger picture of it i guess i never really thought about how you processed it all mm -hmm. and like just like how much you really take oh, your dude. craft seriously i i do and but it's also like sometimes it's what i want what i'm working on personally now is a lack of comparing my personal success journey or this band success journey with other band success journeys. Bro, as good as it gets. Dude, that, that, is the, that is the song about it. Dude, that <laughs> song, like I'm not a lyrics guy. Like it's actually a joke how much I don't hear yeah. lyrics. And Max played me that song in the demo version and then the album came out and I was like, that song on repeat. I was like, good fucking <laughs> it, Lord. I can, I, can I relate and understand? I did. You know what's funny is going back to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast about just writing about what you love and hoping everybody else resonates with it. I did not expect anybody to relate to that song. I really? thought it was too specific uh, specific to being in a band. It's because I was thinking so vividly about my personal struggle. Yeah. And it's it's it happens every time. I'll write about my personal thing, thinking about a specific person that hurt me in a specific way. And somehow everybody relates to it. Yeah. And it's because we all of our struggles are so related in so many ways that we have no idea. It's like degrees of separation of people, degrees of separation of struggle. It's Whoa. like we have so many things that we have in common and we don't even know it. Yeah. And that's what I love about music and, and lyrics and interpretation. But that song and the beginning of um, Why Not Me, like the first lyrics are, I'm watching my friends all succeed. Honestly, they deserve it. But I'm selfishly over here asking, why not me? But that's so crazy because like clearly you have to recognize the success now. Like, I do, but I I will always feel like we should be further than we are. Interesting. I will always feel that way because it's been almost 14 years. And yeah. I feel like that the songs don't get enough credit and enough recognition and enough support Um for them to be heard by more people. And I don't mean support by the listeners, but I mean from behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's like, it's like we talk about like Spotify and playlisting and stuff like that. And yeah. Like, that's always been one where I'm like, that's like, it's comical at the point of yeah. like, how, how you've continuously wrote such great songs that Thank get you. received by fans, but like, it hasn't been the band that gets that. And I always like, I look at it I'm like, dude, that's sick. Like editorial support is dope. Yeah. But like when you get your own fans and listeners, like that's the thing that matters. But I guess I do feel that. Well, it's, you know what it is? This happens to me mentally. Yeah. And then I stop and smell the roses. Yeah. I, I can take myself out of it. And I do it often. Like for instance, like I think about um, this tour we're about to do. Yeah. I remember being in my room air playing air guitar to In Too Deep, the guitar solo, and being like, I would I love that band. Yeah. Like and, and seeing Simple Plan on TRL, and I'm just like, this is amazing. Mark Hoppus is vouching for these guys. This is so cool. Who are they? I, I want I want to do that. Yeah. And now I get to go on tour with them. And we're the only other band on tour with them for for that leg. Yeah. Like it's it's really special to me. And I look at it, and I'm like, I I, I'm living in an apartment in a city I've always wanted to live in, and my my dream is paying for my bills right now. Yeah, and like I I, I look at it through those through those lenses, and a 15 year old me got to see what I was doing right now. I think he'd be pretty stoked for me. Yeah, and so good. so good. like I I am aware that uh, of like the success we had, and but I I also have this terrible habit of cool I did it on to the next. Yeah, and yeah. I I need to just take more time to be present 
yep. and just look at the next step in front of me and not the next 30 steps in front of me. You know what else is interesting is like now here we are and like we've been, I mean, what we're both past 30 now, which is so yeah, fucking weird. I, I know, feel like right? we're the same as like 18 year old playing video games. I had a personal games. promise to myself that if by 30 that I'm not playing like arenas or we're not on the radio, I'm quitting. Holy fuck. I really did. You know, I stopped touring with the band because of a stupid thing that I told myself. Really? Well, Have was I ever it? told you this? I didn't know this. Oh my God. We bro. should talk about the departure. Oh my God. The departure. I remember that moment in vividly, all, man. Like, has there ever been a more cordial? homie break no i don't think ever in history because i just wanted to i i'm gonna get real with you i remember how how well you handled yourself and situations and crisis you were always calm and you're so personable with other people and i'm like this dude is gonna kill it in the industry and like in like some sort of managerial position or some or anything just you just deal with people well and it felt like you needed to not be our tour manager in order to do that so when you brought it up i was like this makes sense this makes total sense. You need, it's like, you know, let, let the bird free. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. funny because the, my existential, like cr- not existential crisis of life, but like, my God, was it re- like reinventing myself after leaving? Yeah. Because like set it off was my family and my support system yeah, and yeah. everything I knew and not having like my brother's when something would be harder, like not having the people to rip jokes and like yeah. having to be like, all right, I guess I'm on my own. Yeah. Now. Like, that was so weird. And I, it oh, was wow. so hard to calibrate. Oh, I never even and, considered that perspective. Oh my God. It was so strange, dude. Wow. So we went from leaning on each other for everything to like, you just, it's, you basically went off to college. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. parents are gone. <laughs> not that and we were like, parental to like, you. But yeah. like, I had to figure myself out. And it was like, okay, if I'm not going to tour manage this band, like, what am I going to, do. Yeah, and that was strange to me because, like, oh, so my my promise to myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look back at this, and this is a lesson in my life that I, I now apply forward. And yeah. it's in, I'm so interested in your arena thing, and I hopefully I can add a sense it's of perspective. Since then. Okay, spoiler alert: thirty-three. So <laughs> I, I left when I was twenty. 25 yeah i told myself it was something so stupid of like if we're not if i'm not tour managing and we're not at a level where it's like basically arenas Mm -hmm. by 25 i was like i need to stop and get a real job Mm -hmm. i need to like go do like the record that thing thing in stone and it was so significant 25 as Mm -hmm. if like that was the age that you were so grown up but i can see it when you're when you're like early 20s and you look everyone's afraid of 30 yeah, everyone's terrified of thirty. Yeah, and then you turn thirty, you're like it's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, nothing's yeah. changed. But um, but like even like oh, dude, I was watching Tick Tick Boom. If you haven't seen that yet, holy crap! There's uh, a song about this guy. Uh, I think his name is Jonathan Larson, who uh, wrote uh, Rent, and this is him writing stuff earlier about him turning thirty. Yeah, and then you see and he how he's dreading it. It's a whole song about it. And then you see the um inside thing that uh, Bo Burnham did, uh-huh. petrified to turn thirty. Dude. Bo Burnham's gonna be just fine. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, 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 it's yeah. but it's uh, for some reason you set these. And you need to do this. It's kind of, you need to set milestones, ground rolls, goals, all, all, all that stuff. And I see like, you know, if I'm 25 and it's not here, then I have five more years until 30. Right. <laughs> but dude, so, I just built it up. And and ultimately what I learned was I then left and I like started to figure out, like I got the job at the record label and I like started like, oh, maybe I'll manage artists. And like, I was, I made it through and I figured my things out. But yeah. I found myself at maybe like 28 or 29, like missing tour and realizing how much I genuinely did love it mm-hmm. and how much I basically made myself stop it early just because of my own considerations where maybe like there was a world where I could have tried, like I never toured with other bands. Yeah. So I was like, what if like I just go try this or that? And you know, I, I 
everybody's path is different and you, you can only do your best in the moment. Yeah. But in hindsight, I think I put way too much pressure on that as an age for the reason to start thinking about it. Mm. And then later I was like, I should have, that shouldn't have been anything of the factor. So I'm so glad that you've changed your mind on mm. arenas because that pressure on yourself off of an arbitrary number is so fucking stupid because everybody's no path is its own. Here's all that matters to me now. Forward incline progression. As, Solid. as long as I see from album to album that yeah. we're going up in streaming numbers and up in ticket sales and all that stuff, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. I've heard stories of, of bands doing it a, like a lot longer than us yeah who it took forever for them to find their break yeah i'm just waiting for that break but i don't think that the, you, the break you have Look, it you, here's what a break is to me a break to me is oh my god radios are playing this song everywhere you're talking like all-time low monsters that's a great example yeah like you get the song and it clicks and it hits and all of a sudden you're going to radio it's like a fucking moment you're it going is a certified to, moment. yeah like that's that's raising up a tear yeah and i want to raise to that i want to raise up a tear i, I want to see a song get that sort of national recognition and like actually win an award for once you know it'd be really cool like like you know not discounting the fan power award but for right. our music yeah like for like you know get recognized for like anything like that iheart radio grammy like i have all these dreams that i still want to accomplish and it's gonna take time mm. and all Odds are against us, I feel, but I kind of like feeling like an underdog. I like proving people wrong. And so I'm going to keep doing it because unless the world decides they they no longer need set it off. Yeah. And if wow. I feel that, then I will step away. But it would be the hardest thing I ever do. But I am, you know, like I'm, I'm it's weird. I, I think about this. I really do. I, I think about what am I going to do if I don't do this? Because I've been doing this for so long. And I think I would go down, I would write for other people. I think I would score um, yeah. for like, hopefully television and movies. I've made some recent connections I'm really excited about, which I'll have to tell you about after this, um, yeah, yeah. That involving like scoring and stuff. Um, but this is what I love to do. I, I will I will miss performing so much if it ever comes to that. And I, it's weird. It sounds like I'm doing that exit speech, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm just weighing like, this is how I think. Like, I this is these are my goals and I'm going to accomplish them and I'm going to try to make them happen. But yeah. if, if hypothetically it weren't, which people, a lot of people are like, can't even think that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay. <laughs> I appreciate how real you keep that though because yeah. I don't I don't think of it as the exit speech at all, but I think that it's just like, it's a very self-aware thing. And I think that going back to even like the song and it like how you wrote about it is like, I get it. Like I can be the dude that's like, no dude, appreciate what you have. And like, yeah, I know yeah. you do. But yeah, I of course also I do. like using that like monsters moment is like, we both know those moments. And I feel like it's very realistic for us. But you know what else is? It, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I, I implore you not to stop. And like, <laughs> I, I know it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I also like, I do relate because I think both of us, it's like, we don't, ever take for granted anything that we've accomplished not but in the years and years of doing the thing and being around so many incredible people like you see those moments yeah and you're just like damn like you can't help but like notice that and set that as a yeah. goal and I, I think that like i don't know you have to have a healthy relationship with it you have to make those things those goals but like i i, I do get it I it's, do get it, but it's funny to also see set it off after being so removed from it yeah. and see that sold out show and be like, my yeah. fucking guy's like, you're uh, dude, good. There's so many moments like just on this. So like before I get to this tour, cause this was like an emotional tour for me just yeah. to see our Cause growth. I do want to touch on this tour and then I want to like, touch on elsewhere. Real quick. A couple things that were like big milestones for us touring wise was um, on Warp Tour when, when we first got the, the schedule back and Kevin Lyman put us on main stage. And I, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. I like, cried literally, that I, I, I remember I cried that. Dude, day. I remember like it felt like 
Christmas morning. Yeah. It, that's it, like I was like I woke up. It's like Santa came. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I remember like we're so amped, and we're like just it, you would never know we woke up just recently. Yeah, like we ran over to the stage, and I was like, we're gonna put on the best freaking show we possibly can. We're gonna show them who set off is, and yeah. we had the best time yeah, yeah. and then so i enjoyed the hell of it just like i said and then i was like all right i want this more yeah and then we got that we got like a, a tour with main stage it was yeah. just like the coolest thing and then the last warp tour we got to close out the tour in orlando which was the which was the location max would go watch warp tour yeah so like we were the last band to play yeah. like, like can you imagine like like I, I know max has thought about this already but like I, I i'm just now thinking about it out loud of like you're there at Warp Tour, and can you imagine thinking, "I'm going to be the last band to play this at this at this venue"? Like that's pretty cool. So we were really excited about that. Yeah. And then uh, my first arena show, which was with Simple Plan, yeah. we played a show in Canada, and they're of course massive in Canada as well as out here. Uh, but I remember the the level of treatment mm. and what that felt like, and also how freaking scared I was because it was so different feeling. Um, but it was an amazing time. But I remember like being backstage and there was like chefs, like with Holy shit, <laughs> like yeah, straight yeah. up chefs, like with like a whole like uh, uh, a buffet. And yeah. there was like steaks and cookies. And I'm like, this is what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it's not $5, go get Jimmy John's. Yeah, it's <laughs> dude. It yeah. was incredible just to see that side of it all. And then like pull up and like in parking where like tour buses have parked and like you're you're at this venue and you're it's just it's a, wow. No words. The yeah. words have escaped me. It was just so incredible. And then it was like you got a taste of it and I was like, all right, I want more of this. Yeah. 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 I've definitely had those mm. moments. It's like we roughed it for so long. Yeah. Like in those, and I only can talk up to like 2014. And yeah, then yeah. there was quite a lot of continuous roughing mm -hmm. it. But like then experiencing things afterwards in like music world or any type of world. And like, you're like, wait a minute, it gets this good. Y'all yeah. could have fucking told us. Yeah, like, what? Real, like, man. And what's crazy is that was probably just the tip of the iceberg as far as like treatment at arenas. Yeah. Like it's in like, it's gotta be nuts. The kind of treatment you get once you start it like elevating. And I want to experience that. Yeah. I'm bougie as hell. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to live that life. You know, the thing uh, though that I am very aware of, and I think you know it too, is what? like, uh, like the the speech that we came as Romans gave us on Warp Tour, where they were like, appreciate this moment. Like we, they were talking, they were in a bus and we were in a van. Yeah, and they were like, these are the moments. Like yes. this is it. This is special. Like oh my I, god, yes. I think that the like it doesn't matter where you are. Like yes, you can have that goalpost, but being <laughs> present and appreciating like just where you are at because that's like, when we were in a van, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That was the broken van, day one, broken back door, taped together, put a taxi door oh on the back God. of the van. Yeah. To those not Sleeping knowing. in broken glass in the back of a van because we broke a window. And hearing the window go, whole <laughs> <laughs> drive. But it was from North Carolina to Orlando. And we're listening to these motherfuckers in a bus be like, appreciate these times. Yeah. They're the best. And we're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, easy for you to say. It but they were right, good. man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I missed the most about the van yeah. was the ability to go on adventures ah because when you're in the bandwagon that thing's staying put but yeah. like the like the van is it first really came to mind when we were uh, back in the van in like overseas mm. we're like let's go to berlin like okay we'll go yeah yeah I go, like it was really cool i miss those times i obviously don't miss like the the terrible sleep mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. i'm you know it was 
they're incredible times. Yeah. Really incredible memories. One thing I was about to mention, I, didn't, I don't think I finished mentioning, was when we had the Sprinter. Uh-huh. We, we were touring during the holidays. Yeah, that's right. I diverted to Black Mass. Yeah. Uh, was Black Mass tour. We were there with our friend Marman, Marshall. Yeah. Uh, we bought a tiny Christmas tree. <laughs> And we plugged it in <laughs> and we uh, we had a bottle of something and we were just, we put on Christmas music on a, uh, the lights were out, we dimmed the lights and just <laughs> had the Christmas tree lit. We put on like Michael Buble Christmas songs or something oh like that. God. And we passed around the bottle and we just told stories and we enjoyed the holiday feeling. It was one of my favorite, most cherished memories of tour. Wow. Like honestly, like it's crazy that you think of that, but those moments are like, they mean a lot. Like all, all the times you share with, with your loved ones and your friends and the relationships you've made along the way. And it's, it's crazy. The most emotions Vivid. I've ever felt yeah. was recent. So this tour. So now we've gone through all these like different things and tours to kind of graduate to being able to finally upgrade to House of Blues venues. Oh. So we just finished that tour and that was mind-blowing. It was the most successful tour we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Headline tour. So again, forward progression. We know we're doing better. It's incredible to see. We play Orlando House of Blues, sold out. It was at Disney. It was like I got to beforehand see my mom, my sister, my my brother-in-law, my niece. We got a nice uh, lunch at this place. We went that just had dinosaurs everywhere because my niece wanted to see it. She loves dinosaurs. And then we play the show. And I have a song I wrote about my dad. Obviously, my sister is there, and um, and uh, my mom is there, and. Um, I, it's about the passing of my father called Unopened Windows. And at, at, I play on piano. And then at the very end, I go away from the piano and I stand on the, um, what they call ego risers. And I look up, I wasn't exactly sure where they were, but then as I'm singing the chorus, I'm feeling emotional because I know they're there. Mm-hmm. And I, the light hits them. The light literally, it's almost they were like, like it's almost like my dad got a, in control of one of the spotlights and goes, they're right there, look at them. <laughs> and I saw them and I, I had my hand out like in front of me like this, singing the words and I locked eyes with my sister and I never let go. And we finished, finished the song and dude, I've never cried so hard on stage. I barely started the next song. And our sets are like, they start and they, they we don't, like I, I create them so that it doesn't stop. No. And they can't stop it if we need to, but like, like I, I was just bawling my eyes out. But that moment, because I'm playing, it was like it was everything put together. My family seeing me do what I love, yeah, at a venue close to home, yeah, and the it's pinnacle venue. A pinnacle then. venue is sold out. This is the biggest show we've ever played in Florida. That's a headline show, yeah. and I get to honor my father with my family. Sorry, it was um, whew. yeah, damn, dude, I. <laughs> Feel it. it was incredible, man. It was incredible. And it's like signs like that that are like, keep going. Dude, yeah. Like, and that's what's so interesting. Keep I, have a, I have a joke. You got all oh, emotional. But this is a, us. This is how we do it. We get serious and we joke around. The <laughs> duality of it all. <laughs> but answers. Of like, you're so aware of like the goals and you think that far out, but yet like, oh my God, do you appreciate the moments you have? I really like, it's do. fucking wild. Yeah. I'm, I know I seem all over the place. Like I'm I, talking about future dude, stuff. I'm talking about current stuff, not about past stuff. I'm talking I don't about, give a hoot. Like yeah, I, I have this accepted, is me. like, this is like, these, this is our friendship. This is our episodes. Yeah. Like this is just us talking not, about, but not only that about, about with our relationship, but with like my personality and my, my outlook on everything. Like yeah. I, cause like, it's like one minute he's talking about what he's going to do after and one minute he's talking about how he needs, knows he needs to keep going, you know, like, but this is how I am. 
like, I am, it? like yeah and yeah. that's like it, it's i want this to be real like this is the yeah. realest we could be. no i i love these like i love these because i get to be my full self and i don't have to like overthink anything and just talk about what i love with my my best friend <laughs> wow yeah An honor and uh, man, like it's, I sometimes feel like a pressure with these episodes too, because I feel like the relationship and there's so much to cover. Yeah. And then like halfway in, I'm like, fuck it. Let's just talk. Doesn't matter. Like, I'm just happy to yeah, talk. Exactly. But I guess the one thing that I do, like, I, I think it's, we owe it to the progression and because we're mm -hmm. at a special little moment is you're about to go out. Like you here in 2022, you had like 500 what was it? it was a stupid amount of days of not playing a show oh uh, it was over 600 jesus yeah of not playing a show yeah the album is finished you put together like we are right now at the beginning of a yeah. new album cycle and now understanding how much you how much pressure you put yeah. into it, how much thought and care mm -hmm. i hope anybody a fan of or new to set it off understands that when they listen to the album but like here you are in this moment and i'm so curious so like you're about to go out. The album is out. Like, yeah. where is like, explain just that to me. Explain the album to me. Explain like what you're excited about. Explain so like. So much. I, I am so pumped about what we're about to do. It's like, we're doing this like launch fest. We get to make up the two shows, which were two big shows, New York City and Philadelphia. We couldn't play those. And so I cannot wait to play those shows and like see like the, the reaction in like those major, major markets. It's always exciting there. They go nuts. And we're gonna be doing uh, some other headlining shows along the way. We've adjusted the set, which was actually a lot of fun. So it's like, we had a first draft of the set, which I was very happy with, but now we wanna put new, more new songs in it. And there was, we made a medley, right? A nine song medley. And in that medley, I did a thing for me. I uh -huh. threw in one of my favorite songs from Midnight, which was Different Songs, which uh -huh. never saw the light of day live. Oh. And it went off. It was like the most exciting part of the whole medley. I did not expect that to happen. And it went so well that we agreed that we're taking it out of the medley and we're playing the whole song. Oh, so sick. we threw that in the set. I cannot wait to do that. So we made the set better, I think. Um, and then I get to, we, we get to support two bands that we look up to so much with new songs in play. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to being a support band. I know that might sound crazy, yeah. but it's, awesome because yeah. i get to like first of all my day is over early so i get to go watch bands oh, i get to watch people yeah. playing some some 41 as much as i want but after that like i'm playing a shorter set but in those 40 minutes i love the challenge and yeah. I'm, i love my favorite thing is you see the person in the front row mm -hmm. with their arms crossed and they're basically telling me their body language i'm not here for you yeah. i'm here for simple plan yeah. and some 41 get done with your song and dance and performer i'm looking forward to that challenge that i love which is i'm going to make you uncross your arms and smile by the end of the set yeah. I'm going to make you like us. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm I'm ready for that again. Like there's always somebody and um sometimes people don't like it when I when I try to convince them, but the it's The band fun. really shined in that area. Shown shined. Sh I think that I think you were right. Shined. The shined. The shoned. Sometimes with a podcast <laughs> you say a word that you've never said out loud but you know cuz you and you're like, "Oh, wait, no." Nope, I think you nailed it. I think shined. you nailed it. I think shined. That's a bait. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The band really shined. <laughs> Shown it, yeah. the band really shown it. Shown it at uh, winning people over and supporting back in the day. I think that was such a. You know what I think? I think why that is is because of how we started touring. Yeah. Because we had to play 
for whoever showed up and whoever's at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and then whatever support tour we got, we because we oh, one thing I didn't mention is that we toured with like nothing but metal bands when we started. Oh, that was hilarious. And there was nothing more difficult being set it off than winning over metal fans. Yeah. But so we've played this game on expert mode. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like we've had to convince people to come back and we would successfully do it. Because set it off has never really had a genre. Yeah. Like I, it's always like been adjacent to genre. Yeah, can you tell by my ADHD why? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess, like, like, I like yeah, it, you've written outside of genres probably intentionally. Yeah. And it's also like has a lot to do with the the uh, diversity of music that I grew up listening to. That yeah. I, it was all over the place too. Like there was new metal, there was pop punk, there was ska, there was like R&B, pop, um, hip hop. Yeah, rap. Every it was just so much. And oldies like nineteen seventies pop, which is like Stevie Wonder, Earth Wind and Fire, Tower of Power. So all of those together. I mean, I guess yeah. that's something that you could definitely say is a testament to set it off. Is like nothing that you've put out has been like to appease the masses. Like it's yeah. literally you just being like, I'm Maybe inspired that's the by problem. this right now. <laughs> Maybe fuck. It's 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 insane. I love the time we live in right now because everybody wants variety now. Right. So like elsewhere, there's a ton of variety, yeah. and so with the new album there's something for everybody and sometimes everything for somebody. Mm, so mm. like it's, it's this nice feeling knowing that everybody is accepting. I remember when I first started doing backing tracks for set it off, yeah. being terrified to make them because people were like, you're not pl playing and singing every note, every it was like, no, we're not because I don't know how to play a uh, trap kit. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't bring yeah. a trap. And kit. we have $500. I can't afford a uh, a violinist to yeah. play with us. Yeah. So I, but I remember being petrified of that. Now it's accepted. I went to a show with a dude recently where his lead vocal is happening the entire time. He's just singing with his lead vocal. And people are like, this is awesome. I was like, the pressure's gone. Oh, <laughs> I was like, gone. this is great. I don't the have to The bar feel... is on the floor. I used to think also I didn't want to do co-writes. I did not want to write with other people because I thought I had to write everything by myself. Interesting. And so, but now I know that that's expected. So like once I think with access to everything, yeah. people now understand like oh okay that's how this works yeah and now people are like oh okay well that's fine yeah yeah it's it's I think with access people have been able to understand that that's just how it goes yeah yeah that's an interesting evolution for you to understand it's it? it's liberating yeah because I went from being stressed out about doing it to just doing it freely dude yeah that's so sick so we're in a good position right now man I'm loving it I'm really happy it's cool it's cool to see like it's always I like. Yeah, I saw the inside of what it was like to like be a part of it yeah. and to like do the album rollouts together. But it's it's the way that you get excited to watch the other bands when you support. You can go watch the headline. Yeah, like, I like I love this. I'm side still a of fan. Just, like watch. Yeah, like straight up. Like just to like be a fan of set it off and just watch it and to see what you do. I'm just like that's so fucking cool. Like, <laughs> oh, thank I you, like man. it. I love it. I think that's another reason why we connect with our fan base so much is because we always we've never shot away from expressing that that like we're fans. Yeah, like. And if you know our story, you know how we got started from being a fan. Yeah. And I I remember how much it meant to me if I was in the front row. I remember I have a, I have a, a vivid memory of being at Janice Live in St. Mm. Petersburg, Florida. Newfound Glory was playing. And I was in the front row. And I was, I, I, it was important to me to basically be performing to the band, singing every word as loud as I can and showing how enthused I was because I wanted them to notice that I cared. And I remember doing that. And I, I look for the people in the crowd that do that to us. And I do my best to give them the moment because like that is such a, a great feeling yeah because then you feel connected and you feel like you're you're healing and your the words mean more than they've ever met meant to you Dude. so like that's why when i see somebody not having a good time like give it to the person that wants to be there yeah <laughs> wow. or, or smile you know like you see someone behind you i know you don't want to lose your, your your barricade spot but just be a good sport yeah <laughs> dude yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Some people I, are dicks about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Dude, we did this tour. I won't name the band. The band was great, but their fan base hated us. It was overseas. And there was nothing we could do. Really? Nothing we could do every every time. Because they were more like, the, the, they would more be like fans of like Foo Fighters, I feel like. Mm. Very purist sort mm. of fan energy. The, our fans that were there were great. But I was I was becoming obsessed with how many people I couldn't turn to like us. Yeah. Wow. That must have been fucking torture for oh, you, it too. Was, it was. Yeah, especially then, too, because I was even more immature. Yeah. And I was like, like me. When will you yeah, like me? Uh, I'm trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you win people over. Yeah. Like, Come on, like me. I'm that's trying the speech so in between hard. songs. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just noticed that no one seems to like me, and I'm trying really, really hard. If you could please like me. <laughs> and the guy's like, fuck, all right, I guess. Yeah. Raise your hand if you like me. Yeah. <laughs> Holy God. <laughs> Making a crowd raise their hand if they like you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the like the the you can tell when bands have it dialed for their onstage banter or where they're yeah. trying to figure it out. And I love the idea of that scenario of the person that can't figure it out and they're like, I just need everybody to be honest right oh, now. You just reminded me of another milestone. Okay, please. A huge one for me. Uh touring with Patent Pending. We toured with a few times. Yeah. Joe Ragasta. Um, he was like a mentor to me. Yeah. He gave me so much honest advice. And he was another person that said it like it is. He's also from New York, and that's just how they operate. You like the folks that say it how it is. Dude, it, I it's helpful. I, I'm I'm dating a well not dating, I'm engaged to a uh, Puerto Rican um girl that from that from Harlem. Yeah. Uh, who was in the Marines. You know, I'm like, I I don't have to guess. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's the episode title of this. I don't have to guess. I don't have to guess. And I prefer when I, that's just when it's straight shooting, when people are just telling me like it is. Yeah. Um, but so I, I remember we were playing in Stroudsburg, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Mr. Smalls Theater. Um, it was I was new to just being a singer for Set It Off. Because huh. I used to play guitar and sing, and then something happened, and then I just became the singer. Yeah. Uh, but I was awkward. Yeah, to say the least, talking so, th- talking to fans like like one more in between songs because I always had my guitar or tuning to kind of keep my hands occupied or, or things a lot of that nature. So I'm like, hey everybody, we got a merch in the back, uh, and hope you're having a good time. <laughs> we're set it off. I know I said that. I know I said we're set it off. Said at the beginning, uh, but we're set it off. Don't like I was like awkward. And I get off stage, and Joe is waiting for me. He was like, ready and he, to he go. he's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> He goes, he goes, when you're off stage, you can't stop talking to us. You talk to everybody. You talk to them, their mother, everybody, and you don't stop. Why do you talk to them differently? And I was like, oh, my God, it's that simple. Like, I just, why am I creating a separation with how I should be talking or acting on stage to how I talk to everybody outside of it? So when I go, like, yeah, yeah, I think if you go to multiple shows, you'll see there's there's kind of themes of thing I talk about, uh. but it's never word for word. I don't rehearse, this, I don't rehearse like a written speech. Yeah. And it's honestly, day one of each tour, you're getting the Ross form. Like, I know I have a, I'm like, I'd like to talk about this. And yeah. then I just go. Yeah. Because I feel like that way it's really natural. And maybe I'll stumble into a new way I feel about something. And and I kind of kind of gauge how the audience reacts to it, and yeah. like, okay, cool, we're really connecting on this now. Yeah. Um, but that was like a huge wake up call for me that I need to just like be more comfortable. I actually gave the same speech in a lot less of an intense way. He was loving about it, by the way. He's not a jerk. He's one of the nicest people to ever meet, Joe. Oh. But I was just having the conversation with another person. I, I got to give that information. Oh no way! You saw it, and you're like, look, this is nothing but love. Well, Somebody gave me this. Yeah, speech. Okay. he was saying, and I want to put him on blast. He was like, he was like, man, I just don't know what to say in between songs. I was like. Got a story for you. I told Got him this story. Aww. And I was like, you I was like, you are one of the most personable people I know. And I, I mean this. Actually, you know what? This is fuck I can say. It's no love. It, he was, he was, this was his first tour ever. Wow. And you would never know, dude. 
killer performer. He's actually coming out on this next run with us. I'm really excited. Love this guy. He was like, I don't I get weird about what to say sometimes. Like, dude, first of all, you're hilarious. Yeah. You make me laugh constantly. And you're you have such a unique way. His, his the way he speaks, nobody talks like him. And I was like, you like be you. Yeah. People will love you. And yeah. so he started getting more comfortable. And like the next time, because I would do a feature with him, the song older. And I was walking off stage and he said something just goofy. And I started, he heard me cackling from off stage. And he was like, he's like, okay. <laughs> but it's just that, like you can tell, you can really tell who's being themselves on stage and who's not. One of the most cringy things we would hear on Warp Tour walking around is when you hear like these speeches of just, oh, oh I won't even God. go into detail, but it was just like, that just sounded so egotistical and rehearsed. Dude, and... Not only, you could do that. You could add to that, though, that it was literally word for word the same time every, every single day. time. Clockwork, the cadence of and the words. And it's like, oh, this is so disingenuous. Mm -hmm. And But there's some people that did, when they're receiving it, they don't care. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. But when you're hearing, I'm just like, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love your approach. That's like, that's a cool uh I relate to that. Yeah. I relate to that because I think that it's easy. Like you're put in a position where then you need to be on a stage or entertain or whatever. Yeah. I guess you could even think of it with a podcast is like, you can tell when somebody is being what their version of a performer is and mm -hmm. just being themselves. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't, you don't need the separation. And you know, it's also an important thing to separate from yourself is like, so um, I mentioned Dwayne earlier and he is, he's the best front man I've ever seen. I think. He, I, I, I'm blown away whenever I watch him perform. But mm. I think it's his, his style. Uh. He's so confident, and he, the way he dances, the way he moves, is just like I. What I have to realize is I can't do that. Whoa! Like, and that's not a not I cannot. But like, that's not me. Yeah. Like, that's not my style of how I move, and that's not like. But it suits him and his style, and it's just so fun to watch. Yeah. Because I remember another thing that I would that I would do, I would be I would be told to like sit side stage for front, uh, for front men, for like bands that have amazing front men, and take notes, and I would do that. I would, I would pull up a chair, I would yeah. sit down and watch my favorite bands, and I had a notepad, which I probably still have on my phone somewhere, Holy crap. of like things to try, things to do that I haven't been doing. How are they talking to the crowd? How are they influencing them to like move around more? There's like a few things I can remember. Um, like, um, I think I saw Craig Owens do this thing where he just like held his arms out like this after a song and just like looked into the crowd and was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I want to try that. <laughs> Upon a Burning Body, they're uh, a, a metal band. All of these yeah. metal bands that we accidentally know, right? ended up on tour. Um, and, but he, they all dressed in suits, which we didn't get our suit thing from them, but it was kind of coincidence. But when the way he would get people to jump, and I, I literally critiqued myself recently on this by seeing a video of me on Elsewhere, uh, doing the Elsewhere tour. He would just put one arm out in front of you, elbow kind of tucked in, almost like directly in front of you, fingers closed, palm up, and just very uh, rigid moments of boom, boom, boom. And when it's that, it's like right in front of you like this while he's jumping. And I was like, that's the best way I've ever seen someone ask you to jump. But I, then I was looking back at, my, uh, at the videos and I didn't realize that my, my elbow's out, my fingers are loose and I'm like this. And it looks and weak. And it doesn't look confident. It, look, wow. it looks like, like I'm lacking confidence. So that's going to be a thing I'm personally working on on these next mm -hmm. tours. It's just this little movement of like more, I'm in more command of myself. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah. It's just the little things. And these are take such, notes from other people. These are very interesting because I think what's fun and cool to hear you explain this so candidly is like it's you never would process that these are the things that a performer is thinking about on mm -hmm. a stage because to you you're looking and you're seeing and it feels so natural if they're not doing something natural it feels like oh well, why don't they know that yeah but it's not like you have a mirror in front of you or it's like you're kind of like there's another thing i think of which is like so there's there's only so many moves in your arsenal you know like for instance like like wave your hand side to side yeah clap yeah jump yeah hands up and down yeah 
I'm not much of a fist pump guy. Yeah. <laughs> so my my the moves can be limited. So I get worried that people will like at the end of the set like, okay, this again. <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah. I think about that heavily. So I make a concerted effort to never if the song if I used to do side to side uh, in this song all the time, every tour, but the song preceding it also did side to side, hand side to side. I will change the movement on the next song so that you don't feel like you're you're it's redundant and boring. So that you're doing something new and it feels yeah. at least a little bit more exciting. I try to like actually shuffle them together. It's crazy. Like so it's you are so much more than a songwriter or an artist. Like you have to be an entertainer. And like you take that just as seriously. It's my I dude, if you like got into my head, I had to tell you what do I what do you like more? Writing, um, singing or performing. And yeah. I know singing and performing sound like they go hand in hand, but like karaoke kind of yeah, yeah like, not really I, 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 I hate karaoke but yeah. I'll get into that another time um but performing is 100% it really I, it's one of my favorite things it's my favorite thing to do yeah. that's why like I would be so like I never want to stop doing this right. and you know my mom's got the bug too a songwriter then it's like okay cool but like my mom still performs because yeah. she has this she gets the same feeling that's why they got it when I wanted to leave and do this yeah they're like I get it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. no that's so I get it I too get it. Yeah. And I'm glad you're doing it because you're fucking meant to do it. Thank you, man. But I don't know, man. It was cool. I I felt like the first episode was great and it was such a fun story of our friendship. Yeah. And I don't really care that we go went in whatever format with this. I yeah, just want yeah. to talk to you more. It was Dude, like there's more to the story. This has been so fun. Yeah. It's been so exciting because I've just relived so many amazing times of my life that have been dormant. Yeah. And doing these get to like awaken them again. And so I really appreciate you and appreciate the ability to do this dude it's such a mutual feeling and you know like we both have podcasts so yeah anytime you want to have a life talk we can just do aware all my friends and we don't even have to call it apart we can just pick yo come on like we'll just talk about something yeah yeah so yeah we'll, we'll uh we'll do the ha-has on talk it off and we yeah. can have life talks and career talks and love whatever where all my friends sometimes i think about that sometimes i'm like i want a ha-ha podcast yeah <laughs> but i inherently always end up having like some deep life talk and talking about a journey and i'm like yeah fuck Dude, it but like, <laughs> i love these just because this is my favorite type of conversation mm. genuinely like i will have this conversation with my uber driver if they allow See, me and that i too <laughs> it's like bad like i don't yeah. have small talk and medium talk i'm yeah. like tell me about the worst thing you've ever done <laughs> tell me about your most <laughs> tell me about your deepest dreams yeah dude. tell me about what you aspire to be what's the meaning of life dude, i talked now. to an uber driver recently uh <laughs> And we were talking about how their identity was stolen. Like they went, it went deep. Yeah. Like and it just happens all the time. I just appreciate genuinely deep, like conversation where you feel like you're learning about somebody and how mm -hmm. people deal with different things, rather than just like, oh, it's another hot day. Yeah. But to the credit <laughs> of talk it off, that's like a, a podcast completely around chaotic jokes and yeah. whatever. It's funny. But it's though. real. See, even that is yeah. genuine, and it's that like the compliment that you get and that I can. Uh, test to is <laughs> that like there is not a difference between the set it off on talk it off and y'all just in the bus ripping <laughs> jokes like it's the same thing it's it's fun I, I i feel comfortable doing it and that's that's what i like about it i i think if we felt out of place we wouldn't do that that podcast yeah but it's just the fact that we do feel like we're just chilling again you know what it is because when we're at, if you have like the bus and you have your bunks we're not hanging out as much yeah like right before show and right after show and stuff but like you know you want your you're privacy your and when you're around everybody on tour you want it whatever me time you can get yeah so when we do that it's like we're back in the van yeah and we're like wow. we're on for the ride yeah. we got a four-hour drive yeah 
what are we talking about? (laughs) Yeah. And I like too, because like you paused it while you were preparing for the album and getting ready. But I like the idea of it being a thing that you do when you're on tour. I also, yeah, like Max or Zach brought up like that it should be in seasons. And I was like, I love that because then there's less pressure. Season two can drop whenever and we can change format season to season if we like something more than the other. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, subscribe to that if you don't yeah cool. talk it off check it out yeah go find <laughs> the andrew episode where i was right that there is a movie called ghost ship zach uh, yeah it's, fuck you it still sounds not real but it's you've real proven and you, we need to watch it you've together. proven it i'm we down. need that and we need hands on a hard body. hands on a hard body by the way if you're at home and you have no idea what hands on a hard body is look up that movie you're welcome get some popcorn and i don't know if i should say you're welcome or i'm sorry <laughs> i say you're welcome <laughs> yeah i let's Although, stick with you're welcome wait what am i doing i haven't seen it you know that right I we only, watched that together. No, dude. Everybody Is this watched Mandela it effect? except me. No. And I quote it with you and I know That's all about it. That's why I think it. you saw it. And I've seen all the clips, but this I've never seen it. This man's out here wearing boots. We say it all the time. <laughs> all the time. The guy that eats Snickers. I Snickers. I, I, under, I know going. all of it and I've watched, but I won't watch it without the whole squad. I can't. It's. I have it right now. I so, bought it. I bought it. It's sitting on my Apple TV. <laughs> When we, do you leave for tour? I leave on Friday. Damn it. I know. When we get back, we need to literally book a day. Hey, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course, man. It was, it was great. My pleasure. And we will continue to have these conversations and yes. do whatever else we do. And I fucking love you. I love and you it's too. It's so cool to watch the, the journey. Thank you. And with your yours as well, man. It's thank awesome. You. Thank you. So there it is, part two with my dear friend, Cody Carson. It's really crazy because him and I have known each other for so long. And still, every time we have a conversation like this, I learn something new. So this was a really fun one for me. I hope if you've been following the band, you learned something new about him and got a whole new appreciation yourself. And if you've somehow just now heard of them, go check it out because they mean a whole lot to me and they just put out an album and they're going to be on tour when this comes out. If you like the podcast, do me a massive favor, share it with a friend or share it on social media. I say it at the end of every episode, but it's because it's that important. Word of mouth and sharing it is the biggest way a podcast can grow. It's something you can do super easily and it means a lot. Send me a message if you like this. Send me suggestions of other people you want to hear from. I love hearing from any listener. I genuinely appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast. I love doing it so much, and it's all possible because of you. So thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode.